Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. It's Angelique Luna here, and I'm with my co-host and hubby. John C. Luna. Hello, everyone. And tonight, I know it's off our schedule. Usually we're Wednesday, but since we're going to be traveling to Woodhall Sexual Freedom, I thought we would podcast tonight on Tuesday night, and we're going to have an awesome guest. Her name is Amy Baldwin. Is uh, She's a semantic sex and relationship coach, certified sex educator, sales trainer and educator for Ubaloop, as well as co-owner of a mother-daughter-owned pleasure boutique called Pure Pleasure Shop. Amy has a passion for promoting shame-free, pleasure-focused sexuality education while emphasizing the deep emotional and energetic forces behind great sex and intimate connections, offering anything, everything from how-to workshops to erotic empowerment retreats. So welcome, Amy. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it, it is. And I was trying to, like, you know, withhold my excitement for Uberloo because I was, like, so fighting to get it here in Orlando. And I have finally got two shops to carry Uberloo. I was like, yeah. yes, yay. I'm so excited about that. I know it's funny. They're everywhere except Florida. There's a weird thing with Florida where we're curious. Like, every state, it's, it's all over in all the adult stores. And Florida has a weird thing with Uberloo. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. And the funny part was we were introduced Uberloop when they first started, I think about five, six years ago. And it was mm-hmm. there was a small uh, intimate boutique that was carrying it. And we just fell in love with them. But when the boutique closed down, we couldn't get a hold of Uberloop again. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. And so when yep. we found it, it we were just like, Ugh, we got to have it. And now luckily, amazing. yes, it's like yep. we, I met up with them at ASAC. And now anytime I do my workshop, it's like, here, everyone's getting Uberloop. You got to have this stuff <laughs> oh my god yeah there's there's nothing like it. i think what people are used to your traditional you know ky jelly and astroglide and once they try uber lube it's like a complete it's a whole different world it's like a different animal it's just there's nothing like it. it's like the, the silkiest most wonderful experience ever you actually want it on your body it's so luxurious and body friendly it's, it's as good as it gets really so i yeah i love i feel really blessed to work with them i actually you know, before I even started working with them, I loved their product, and I was already working in kind of this brand management realm of uh, representing companies like that, you know, um, adult product companies. And what I do is I travel around the country and I educate retail stores on their products so that they can better sell their products. And I loved Uberlube, and I was asking them for a year. I was like, I want to work for you guys. I want to work for you guys. Like, can, can you guys jump on board? And it took about a year. And finally got them in and now i've been with them for about uh four years so it's yeah and they're and on top of it having a great product you you met them so you know yeah. they're just like wonderful humans they're such nice humans so oh yes. yeah so down mm-hmm. to earth very nonchalant yeah. you know just like and then when they realized that i was the one on social media begging for them they're like you're the one i'm like yes it's like yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. They love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was. It, but, you know, it's also if you follow on the social media, you get tips and tricks on how to use Uberlube other than just, you know, sexually. Yeah, it's not just. Yeah. I've, uh, the most recent one that I thought was interesting was someone that has that have two cats that they absolutely love. They're like obsessed with their cats. And 
they, you know, when you, they like to blow the little bubbles for their cats to chase uh -huh. and bite. But if you blow the ones that are soap, they're toxic. So what they do is they put some Uber Lube in a dish and they blow bubbles with that instead of the soap. <laughs> and it blows like a perfect bubble. And then the cats can chase it and bite it. And it's non-toxic and, you know, it just goes through the body and doesn't hurt them. So it works well as cat bubbles. It's not just for sex. <laughs> Wow. All my cat lovers yeah. are going to love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you can, yeah, lube for cats. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Can you please explain what a semantic sex and relationship coach is? Yeah, so it's it's somatic, so it's oh, um, thank you. the body. Yeah, I was like, semantic schools, I think it would be more like the word, the verbal piece of it. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I tell you, my pronunciation yeah. sucks sometimes. <laughs> you're, all, you're all good. Yeah, so somatic so um, you, so in, in traditional sex therapy and maybe even like traditional sex coaching, um, quite often it's more of a conversation, you know, there it's client and therapist you know, or, you know, that kind of uh, relationship. And in fact, there isn't really often very much of a relationship that happens. It's just a conversation and, um, you know, they'll go into childhood wounding or whatever it is where people are stuck. And what somatic uh, somatic sex and relationship coaching does and it's through um, Somatica which is uh, the Somatica Institute in San Francisco that these two women Celeste and Danielle created they saw something that was missing in the sex therapy and sex coaching realm which was the relationship piece be between um, be between like a client and the practitioner and not that they go into a romantic or loving relationship but that um, that a lot more can be done when there was a closer relationship there because it created safety or created trust, you know, heal, which are some of the main things that people are healing, um, you know, past trauma with past hurt, whether it's with parents or lovers. Uh, so that's one component. It has a little bit more of a closeness there in the relationship between the people that I uh, work with. And it still is very professional, of course. And then one of the other things is we use the body. That's kind of the somatic piece. We use the body as a tool for uh, healing and learning in that the body is brilliant and it retains trauma, it retra retains shame, it retains knowledge. And so we use the body, whether it's just tracking the body to see what the body's doing as we're talking about something in a session. Um, is the body, you know, hunching over? Does it look like they want to run? Are they getting like tightening up? Uh, or if we wanted to teach someone or kind of discover something, um, through the body, we would could use that as a tool in a very PG-13 way. So, like, you know, clients would be fully clothed, and maybe I wanted to see if they, how they are, if they're in their bodies when they're touching or being touched. So what I would do is have them lay down on my couch, and I could just take my hand and lightly rub it, you know, gently over their arm and then over their leg and over their belly and check in with them. You know, what's what's going on in your head? Are you even in your body? Because most people aren't. Most people are leaving. They're not present. They're stuck in their insecurities or maybe I'm not worthy of receiving I'm used to doing I need to be doing something I'm taking too long um, so we use the body as a tool and some very light um, you know consensual abiding by boundaries touch as a means towards healing and, um, and learning and it's really really valuable because I mean I think talk therapy is also really useful and I definitely do a lot of that but it can only go so far with certain aspects of the learning I'm surprised I haven't heard more of that because it, the way you explain it, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so in traditional therapy, if I was a licensed therapist, I have a lot of rules that I need to abide by. Otherwise, I lose my license. And um, so touch is probably one of the biggest things that is out the window. Now, of course, we're still doing it in a very um, professional and consensual way. It's, and it's usually not... 
if it, it can, the touch can actually feel sexual, but it's usually not for sexual purposes. It's for learning and for healing. Um, or it can be about sex, but again, it's not like, hey, I'm just going to touch you to get you off. Like That's a whole different profession, and I'm not in that profession. Um, but that's why you don't hear about it is because it's not something that's being utilized in therapy, and it's it's its own thing. So, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Interesting. We'll have to do some research on that. Right, but I've yeah, also yeah. He heard that it could be like considered sex work, too, not, even though it's therapy, oh. but it's kind of sex work. You, you could. I mean, it depends on what you want to do, what you want to do with it. So because, like like I said, some of it could, um, you know, and every it's not something that's regulated. So people can take it and do what they want. You know, like anyone can go and take a somatica training and decide what they want to do with it. Um, not everyone's going to be equipped to go out and be a coach and, um, you know, help people with their, their stuff. Um, and there are people that probably take it and, and go venture off into a sex work realm or call themselves more of a sex worker. And, um, you know, there you've, there's people who identify as uh, dakas and dakinis who um, go do tantric work with people, which can be very sensual, sexual, erotic. Uh, quite often, you know, clothes stay on for those people, but you some people would can still consider that a field of sex work. So um, sex work, a lot of times people just think of as, prostitution with penetration and there's it's such a such a wide array of offerings and there's some really um beautiful ones in there so i wouldn't identify as a sex worker i would identify as you know a sex and relationship coach but um i wouldn't i wouldn't think that there would be shame in a dynamic as a sex work sex worker if that's what i felt like i was offering my client well from what i, I i've learned recently the difference between therapy and coaching um, a lot of people are choosing to go more into the coaching realm because of the lax restrictions and mm. because a lot of these restrictions, which are put on therapists, um, I mean, they're there for a reason, but then when you think a therapist is there perhaps to get you over the trauma, to be able to touch someone, but like you said, it would be inappropriate for them in any way to touch you. It's one of those, it, 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 it's kind of a conflict of logic. Totally. Yeah. And there's a difference there too. You, first of all, in my opinion, it's hard to find good therapists. It's hard to find good coaches in. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, um, I don't know if it's necessarily that they're bad at their job. I think a lot of people just, their, their part's not really in it anymore. Or maybe it never was. And, um, so there's, that's like one, you know, one component and, you know, therapists, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with, Sometimes they work with me and a therapist because I can only go so lightly into childhood trauma. I have some skills to be able to do it, but if that wounding is really deep, um, I'll either refer out and have them go to someone and not see me or have them see me for the stuff that's present. You know, where are you stuck now and where do you want to go? That's me. And we can do some stuff, light stuff in the past versus a therapist who's going to spend all their time in the past in the childhood trauma. And um, therapy, not only is it regulated, but therapists are kind of more like um, taking on a lot of the mommy daddy role of giving people the missing experience, especially really good therapists, like somatic therapists or Hakomi trained therapists. You know, let me give you the missing experience of what you didn't get when you were younger. That's getting in your way as an adult here in relationship, in sex, in whatever your work life. And so they're not telling you like, Hey, look, I'm going to call you out right now. This is your pattern right here. This is what you could do better. They're not doing that. They're kind of more comforting, holding your hand, but also like give, do, providing a very important service. And coaches, we're, we have a little more of that kind of aspect. Like, hey, look, I'm going to call you out right now in a loving way. Here's your thing. 
here's how you always push people away. It's you doing it again. And we could, let's focus on that and see if we can change the pattern here. And so it's, it's a different, they both serve really important purposes. They're just different. It's a, fi- yeah, it's a fine line of difference, but yes, you're right. There are definitely yeah, differences totally. between them. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of like an additional benefit to like the therapy and relationships because sometimes, yeah, yeah you could only do so much in talkative therapy. And it, it's interesting mm-hmm. how you explain the, the mommy-daddy role there with therapists. I, I, that's just a different perspective. I have never saw that because right now I'm currently going to school for kink therapy um, certifications. Oh, awesome. You're going to be a kink therapist? Well, actually, I'm sticking to coach because of the whole, like, rules yeah, and guidelines. Yeah. So yeah, you edu- want to do your own thing? You want to make your own rules. I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially educator because I'm always focused in on parents teaching their kids about sex. I'm like, get over mm. your own shame and just teach them right. So that's where it is. And I just never thought of the parenting. But then I'm looking at the instructor who I've been good friends with, and she's, like, the best kink, you know, therapist there is in the world. And I'm like, oh, you're right. It is kind of like a mommy role for her because oh, yeah. it's just oh, obvious. Yeah. Well, that's the, one of the beauties of kink, too, is yeah, quite often there's a lot of that. Even if you're not playing with mommy-daddy dynamics, there's also a lot of that, a lot of that going on there when you're playing with, with power play. A lot of times that's, there's, like, some overlap in there. And it's, it's beautiful because it can literally help to um, heal or give missing experiences in an erotic way. So, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. I, I just love the overlap between sex and everything. And we think of it as such a separate animal you know it's such a separate entity but it is filtering into so many aspects of our life and our relationship and um and vice versa so much of our life is you know our childhood is showing up you know the results of it of what happened or didn't happen is showing up in our sex lives so i just think to me that's really beautiful i i, I always think of sex as this like piece that runs so deep at our, at our core like in our inner being and is filter, you know kind of like seeping out into all aspects of ourselves. Yeah, that, that's very true there because it's like I look at Denmark um, who teaches about sex like starting as kindergartners, but just like the relationship aspects. Like how do you feel when you see little Susie, you get butterflies in your stomach and just building from there. I mean, it is an intricate part of our life growing up all together it's just i think sometimes we get lost in translation because we only think of it as a naughty dirty thing to do or we just do it for procreation and that's it oh yeah that's like that is i decided that my mission in life is to um undo that shame of as much as i can you know i started with myself and whatever i can do for the world to create less shame around their erotic beings and erotic expression and um and that's you know my my friend and i who's she's also in the um sex toy industry we started a podcast it's called uh, shameless sex and that's kind of the premise of it of just and it's part of it is the conversation kind of like what you two are doing right you're role modeling the fact that it's okay to talk about these things and it in turn inspires people it gives them permission they're like I didn't know I could do that. I did. Oh, okay. That's okay. There's, this is just, this is something that we can talk about in public. These people are talking around the air. So I guess I can talk about it with my partner or with my friends or, um, it's, it's really, it's really, and I, and I'm seeing a lot of shift to, and maybe that's just in my circles because I'm always talking about sex, but just a lot more, um, openness or willingness to go to the depths of things that were once really uncomfortable to address. 
No, I, I totally agree. It's even with us as, as the minute we start mentioning we talk about sex on a podcast, you know, they might not do it in front of their friends, but they'll pull us aside and then they'll start asking us questions. And oh, my God, it's mm. kind of crazy. Some of the stuff. But yeah, yeah, I totally everyone you need to check out um, Amy's podcast, Shameless Sex, because some of the conversations there, it, it's it's fun, interesting and very, very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, I'm. I, I like to think of myself as entertaining, but my my uh, co-creator April is like she's like me on eight cups of coffee. So she's just like, <laughs> that's an this, understatement, really. <laughs> I know, I know, it's wild. I'm like, how do you do this? How, how this is how you naturally are you? Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's been really really fun. We've only been doing it for a little over two months now, and got a lot of really great feedback. And, and it's just so so wonderful to to offer that. So. Yeah, I'm I'm loving every single second, and I'm really stoked. That, so, you, so I don't even know anything about you two. You two, let me interview you for a minute. You two okay. are a married couple doing doing that. Yeah, like, what inspired this? What inspired your mission? Uh, okay, so I'm trying to really do the cliff notes on this one. My daughter <laughs> is a sex abuse survivor, and I've been a swinger all my well, you know, sexual life. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> It's, it's been a long time. And yeah. so when we were going through the healing process of like getting our therapy, A, they looked at me like I was a three-headed dragon because most parents do not believe in therapy. They're like, no, we're not. And they looked at me because I was very insistent. Let's get her into therapy. So they got her into therapy. They put us in our own group therapy, her age and mine. And I told the parents, I was like, look, let's get a reality on this. Um, they're going to have sex come middle school and high school. Let's get them prepared. And because of that, they kick me out. Oh, my God. So yeah. I didn't have any support for myself and ended up going through the adult industry. Surprise to get support yeah. and education. And because of their openness and telling me about their stories, they let me do the sex education and that led me in and I started blogging back in 2014 and going to the various different blog conferences and people reading. They're like, your voice is amazing. They, people got to hear your voice. And my husband, he just kind of picked up the tab. So he came, yeah. he's the stepdaddy. But um, between us, we've learned so much that we're like, okay, let's share the Rolodex of information that we've got. Let people be comfortable knowing what's available for sex and that's what started our mission and then um patty evans who started the kink therapy certification institute we've been friends for as long as this journey seven years and she's like you're doing this you're becoming kink certified sex educator and coach that's it i'm like oh, okay so she played dom on me i'm like oh so i'm like so there i'm getting my certification so this is part of the growing experience and so i just want to end as you you know like yourself end the shame of sex be comfortable talk to your kids and especially with the Latinx, LGBT community that don't have comprehensive sex education here in the uh, Bible Belt. So mm -hmm. kind of being my own little activist and, you know, stirring the pot as a Mexican. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Awesome. So, so can you, and then the kink, so kink therapy, you're, so you're essentially, you're, or you're the kink coaching. It would be for clients who identify as kink and kinky mm -hmm. and are looking for guidance in their kinky 
relationships with the self and with others. Uh, correct that, there. Yeah, yeah okay, because awesome. that that all falls into ethical non-monogamy, power exchange, or yeah. sexual orientation, gender, and fetishes. So that's what okay. it covers. So, which is great awesome. because a lot of people, you know, go to a therapist and sometimes they're spending their therapy time, you know, explaining to the therapist about their lifestyle and not being judged or, you know, working with it. It's like, wait a minute, I'm paying you to help me. I'm not paying, you know, why am I paying you yeah. to teach you so yeah you have to help you understand this this part mm-hmm. of me yeah totally mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's awesome I didn't even I I mean I knew that there were therapists that were um specialized in it but I know there's people actually doing kink trainings or people training specifically around that. I think that's really awesome and exciting lots of kinky people out there so <laughs> yes they are and then especially if they're parents and they're like freaking out I'm like no look it's not like you're interacting with the kids I mean let them know the dynamics but you know try to keep the boundaries there too so because a lot of people just see so much messed up television out there and i'm like oh god well, <laughs> yeah going off of that we, we've talked with a lot of parents that once they have kids think okay we put the kink aside because now we're parents and i'm like no oh, it, yeah. it, it's a part of you it, it's there's no yeah. reason to do that there's no reason that you weren't ashamed of it when you were doing it as single you're not bringing the kids into it enjoy it it's still a part of you yeah, that's just like, yeah, putting a, a big part of you in the closet. That's just not a fulfilling way to live. So, yeah, the um, the, the teaching kids about sex is interesting. We, um, one of my, one of my, my goals, I've had this like goal for many years was to, um, to teach young people about not just sex ed, you know, but not, not just the bad stuff, right? Like the good stuff, the pleasure and, and, um, and it's just really hard to get in there because the public school system doesn't let you go in and talk about pleasure. And even Planned Parenthood isn't allowed to talk about pleasure. And uh, so it's just all like the scare tactics or, or just don't do it in general, you know, all that fun stuff. And so I recently collaborated with a local yoga studio last year and we put on our first, um, actually that was this year, our first sex ed for middle schoolers. So it was for um, kids ages 11 to 14 and their parents and and we it was open to anyone middle schoolers and their parents to come it's funny because we we got uh 18 people that came and it was all women with their daughters and it never said just for women and never said just for girls it was for everyone but that already showed us like okay boy that people think boys don't need sex ed or yeah. girls need it more and then two it's the woman's job to educate the daughter it's not you know the husband or the father or you if there is, even is one um, so just, that was an interesting thing to see. And we even asked people, we're like, you know, people came, who had daughters and sons, like, why didn't you bring your sons? Like, oh, we thought it was just for girls. Like, it just doesn't say that anywhere on the, the write-up. Um, and so that was just mind blowing. And, and it was really, really, uh, like a cool opportunity to be able to provide sex ed there. And it's funny for me, you know, I've been teaching sex ed for years and, you know, I'm so used to talking about it however I want to you know I don't really filter myself and I go talk at universities or in adult stores or on the air Uh, but this is a whole different realm so I was like oh my god so I had to kind of reframe the language I was using and um, it was like a big learning curve it was it was was awesome it was deeply like fulfilling for sure and um, just it's such a learning experience and you know you take 11 to 14 year olds you know, you'll have one 11 year old that's more advanced than one 14 year old and another, you know, and then, then the vice versa, another 11 year old who's like sex is not even something that's on the radar. And, 
Um, so it's a tricky one. It's really tricky, but it's important. Well, it, it's funny you mentioned that. Recently, we found a way, uh, well, our way, to get a little bit more into the, to the mainstream public of it, and that is with Planned Parenthood, we had hosted a sex trivia night at a restaurant. And we were expecting uh, a lot of 20-somethings. And it was people, again, over 18, but all ages. And it was it was mostly PG. It wasn't anything horrible. But um, we, we had no idea. And uh, the amount of people that showed up really, what was it? Um, it was like it 30, yeah. Half the restaurant. Well, often. Wow. And, of course, the wait staff was happy. The owner's happy. And we were happy. And, uh, yeah, it was everything. They were, they were even one of the tables showed up, and they were in their 60s. And they were an absolute hoot. Oh, I love those. It was, it was wonderful. That's a great idea. So it was trivia questions, like sex sex facts and information. Everything, like sex education, yeah. sex tips. Um, we did like um, the categories were vocabulary, fetishes, uh, sex myths. Um, I forgot the other two. We had five categories, but everyone – oh, Viva la Vulva. So we were just like <laughs> everything about the vulva tips and – Kids are like, what's a vulva? Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. it was hysterical. <laughs> yeah. You're like, really? Yeah. It's that many inches and things? Yeah. yeah. And then just like you know, giving them either multiple choice or true or false. And then afterwards when we're given the answer, we gave them you know, elaborate you know, explanations on why is it this or why is that. You know, and they all enjoyed it. Was there like pleasure conversations too in there? Like, um, or was it mostly just anatomy and physiology and yeah? No, all of the above. We we cover we covered everything because we wanted to make sure it was diverse that they learned something new. You know, it wasn't like the same traditional things that you find on the internet. It's like, no, there's pleasure. This is how you massage the the vulva, how many inches, and how the tissue is, and um, oh God, what's the one that they kept referring to? Uh, shark week that the same shark week. Oh yeah. It all comes back to shark week there, but yeah, that, that's how we made it entertaining <laughs> for everybody. And they learned something, even the, uh, the couples in their sixties are like, really, what's that? And how, and yeah. It was... So we ended up staying about another 45 minutes after we were done, just having conversations and doing explanations for people. And uh, right after that, we turned oh. around and the owner said, so when are you coming back? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. that, that, that's successful. Wow. So you're going to come back. You got to do it again. Definitely. Probably it's going to be in September there because uh, our whole month of August is already spoken for. <laughs> that's a good way. That's a really great way to do it, though. To I mean, it's playful. It's, like, you know, interactive. And they get all the information there, too. That's, I think that's, that's brilliant. Well, let me ask you about one of, uh, 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 I guess, your education methods, yeah. erotic empowerment retreats. That, that uh-huh. Just hearing it sounds awesome. Tell us more about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so um, I, I love collaborations. I, I mean, I do a lot of stuff on my own, you know, teach classes on my own, but collaborations um, are one of my favorite things to do because you're bringing in all these different modalities, all these people with different skills, and so... Um, I do, I have two women that are local, um, actually, I won't call them women, I have one person that uses they and them pronouns, uh, that's a friend that I've known for many years who is a sexological body worker, and um, so they do kind of hands-on erotic body work, and, um, and then I have another person that is kind of more like your 
um, women's, she does, she does a lot of like outdoor women's empowerment stuff. She takes groups of women's on like nature hikes and gets them out there and gets them naked and they all go swimming together and like, you know, just like taking in the moon and you're with your naked body and you know, all that, all that stuff. So we got, we put together some collaborations here and I bring in a lot more of like the, um, the sex educator, sex coaching realm. So, uh, we'll get that one. We do just for women and, uh, and so it, it kind of it goes on this trajectory of, you know, it always starts with the self, you know, like where was your shame, your trauma? How do we get in our bodies? You know, like, where are we stuck? What are our limiting beliefs? What were, what was our upbringing? Like, what were we told who we are as sexual beings? Like what's, what's ours and what isn't ours and how do we, um, step away from what's not ours and step higher fully into what is our, ours, you know, our birthright. And, um, so that's usually day one is dedicated to that. And then day two, we uh, spend more time on um connection you know with the other with whatever that is with you know, kind of stepping outside of ourselves and we do a lot of stuff a lot of work with boundaries and with um getting clear on what it is that we even want i'm sure are you too aware of the uh core erotic theme do you ever use that in your work at all no no, no? okay <laughs> we got i love the core erotic thing this is a brilliant book it's like one of my favorite tools to use with clients um, and I use it, you know, in my empowerment retreats, I use it in private sessions with clients and it's, um, the book is called the erotic mind. And I think his name is Jack Morin, Jack Morin that wrote it. Uh, and so he, he the, the idea behind it is that we're always asking, what do I want? You know, what do I want as a sexual being? Or when you're touching someone, you're like, how, how, what do you like? What do you want? And half the time, like, I have no idea. Just touch me. We'll figure it out. And it could be a lot of pressure for someone or, especially if someone has trauma, there's a lot of, you know, walls, both physical and mental that are um, making it so that they don't, can't even figure that out for themselves. And so what the book suggests is that there's a more important question to ask. It's not, what do we want? Cause that's just kind of like at the surface level beneath that is how do we want to feel as sexual beings? So, so, and the idea behind how we want to feel is very much related to our childhood. Uh, so say when you were a child, um, your parents are just really hard on you. They never told you you did anything right. It was all, you know, why can't you be more like your sister? You could have done better at the arts and crafts fair, you know, all that stuff. And um, a lot of times what happens is those people will grow up and they're striving to be the best and that actually carries over into their sex life. And that's just one example. Um, but the idea is, is that what our childhood, what we did or did not receive um, quite often is actually translating into our adulthood, into our sexual relationships, where we're trying to get those things from our partners, that feeling that we didn't get from our parents, from our caregivers, from our um, first sexual experiences. And um, and I absolutely love this. And so this is one of the things I use in those empowerment retreats, because I quite often I'll have women and they're crying. Like, I don't even know what I want anymore. I don't know how to tap into my desire. And, you know, we do a lot about that, how to get in your body as an embodiment, but it's a lot of pressure. It's scary for them to just like, I don't know where to start. And like, okay, well, let's ask the more important question. How do you want to feel as a sexual being, you know? And, and then we do an exercise and the, um, the book goes, it's a, you know, a 400 page book that goes into this, but the cliff notes version would be you uh, sit down and name your top three favorite sexual fantasies experiences that you've had, um, like your spank bank material, you know, when you're self-pleasuring and you're about to orgasm and it's that peak moment in whatever fantasy you're using the hottest thing ever, you know, what, what is the hottest sexual things ever that you've done or seen? Um, uh, what do they look like? And then you paint the scene, you like, you describe it, you know, um, 
I was in a field on a tractor with my partner and they just started going down on me and anyone could have walked in at any point. That's, you know, that could be one of them. Uh, another one is I like to like play this kind of like daddy little girl dynamic with my partner and um, they're like, you know, they're in this dominant power kind of daddy role, but it's not familiar. He's not like my father, but he's just like that dominant one that's guided scene. I'm the submissive one and I'll do anything that he says. And, you know, whatever your fantasies or, um, or experiences that are your hottest things ever. And then what you do is you look for a theme between them, you know, the two to three fantasies or experiences. And quite often you find a common theme and it's, and it's different for everyone. Uh, but so, and you get to kind of identify with your theme. For me, my theme, if you looked at my two to three fantasies, it would be, I want to feel taken care of. And it's not, it's not that I want to be like, I'm not gifts and, you know, take me out in the town. I want to feel energetically taken care of. I want to feel like my partner's He's like, he's, and I identify as what I call painfully straight because it'd be a lot more exciting if I wasn't so straight. Um, okay. And um, so my male, you know, I'm looking for this, my really strong male partner to show up for me with this way of like, I got this, you can surrender to me. And it comes out in a very dominant way. And I just want to feel emotionally taken care of. Like I could cry, I could scream, I could squirt, I could do all the things. And he's just like, I got this, like you, you can like unleash here. And if you looked at my childhood, my dad was very present. He was not comfortable with me being, I was like that, you know, I was too much. If I cried, he was like, he'd laugh in my face. You know, it was. Oh, and, ouch. So there's, yeah. And there's, so it's, so I'm, I'm now that I, what I'm doing is I, I want sexual experiences. With my partners, like when I have great sex, I'm feeling like that. I'm feeling taken care of. If I'm not feeling taken care of and. That has happened before where I'm having sex with someone else who wants to feel taken care of. And like, we're both laying there and be like, who's going to pet me? No, nope. okay. We're not going to pet each other. Okay. I guess we're not having sex. Um, then I, then I can have good sex, but probably not sustainable sex. Like I probably won't want to have sex with them for two months later. Uh, cause I'll be not getting that feeling that I need. Um, so this is really helpful for people to figure out how do you want to feel as a sexual being? And then once you feel, you figure out how you want to feel, then there's like a million tools. Those are the things that we want. That question, what do you want? You know, now there's all these ideas of ways that we can make each other feel the way we want to feel. So, okay, I want to feel taken care of. Hey, partner, here are some ways that you can make me feel taken care of. Here's a whole list of them and pick and choose. This will make me feel taken care of. How do you want to feel? Oh, you want to feel the best. Okay, so I need to like praise your cock and tell you you're the best person I've ever been with and like you know, things like that. <laughs> And all of a sudden, they're they're feeling like they're getting all the things that they need. So, um, I love that tool. It is so so wonderful and can be so liberating for people. And um, like it's it's freeing. It frees people from feeling like they need to be a certain way or like everyone else, and allows them to figure out who they really are and like what it is that they how they need to feel. So, and the, the top ones really are like the, those common ones, like. Um, the best is pretty common, especially for men, but it's just common in general. I, have, I know women that want to feel the best and special. Like so many people want to feel special and there's a lot of ways to make someone feel that way. So it's, yeah, it's really, really fun. <laughs> That's a great way to reframe it though, to go to the feelings as opposed to the act. Because yes. again, we're, we're trained, we're trained by society that sex is an act. So what act do you want? Not the way it makes you feel, but that's what it comes down to. I mean, yeah. for the most part, we're all really smiley that day when we get laid. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, 
we are, but we're extra smiley when we, it was like, we got laid and it was great. And we're like, oh my God, I let, I just got all the things that I needed that made me feel exactly how I want to feel. That's when we're like, oh yeah, I want to have sex with that person again. <laughs> well, when you ask people, look at a good sexual experience and look at a bad sexual experience. Okay, what's different? It's the feeling. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yes, it may get more passionate, it may get more energetic, it may get more, more of that. But it for the most part, the difference between them is how it made you feel. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's just like, yeah, it's just a deeper question. You know, there's there's a lot of power in asking deeper questions. And, you know, that even applies, you know, and you're doing you know, kink therapy. So um, you probably all both know a lot about, like, you know, when we have something that comes up, it's like, I'm angry. Okay, what's beneath your anger? You know, what's the deeper question here, the deeper uh, hurt or, you know, fear or, or sad that is working here? And um, a lot of times if when we open up to the deeper questions, it just, there's just, it gives us more clarity. It just really, it can help to guide us in a, um, a more direct way as opposed to getting kind of lost in the, the, the whole, like the whole spin of what we should be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. also like teaching people, it's okay to ask what you want. You have a voice, you have permission yeah to you know want more to sex than the actual physical action of it and and i think people get lost in translation in that that they do have oh i have options it's not just what position i mean it's how i feel how i care how i'm being touched afterwards yeah 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 there's a whole there's a whole menu and i think in um somatica in the training that i did they talk about how most people are kind of stuck on the kitty menu. You know, when you look on the kitty menu, it's like French fries and cheeseburger and chicken wings or whatever. You know, you have like four options. And they're kind of stuck there because these are the things that they know or that they've experienced. And um, and that if you like really step out of that and either educate yourself or allow yourself to um, kind of tap into your deeper desires, your wants, you now all of a sudden you have this huge gourmet menu with so many options of ways that you can uh, play and experience sensuality and sexuality. It's, it's just, I mean, we have, we have all the tools. Each individual, we have all the tools. And a lot of us have trauma that gets in the way, but it doesn't mean that we don't have the tools. They're in there. It's just a matter of um, undoing all the layers that's really holding us back from getting in there and understanding them. And I think that's the hard part for some people to admit that the trauma is holding them back from Mm -hmm. having an amazing sex life there and i for me that was like the first thing when i found out about my daughter being abused i'm like oh no you're getting therapy you're going to find out the pleasures of sex it's like i screwed up by not teaching you younger that you know to protect yourself and you know about sex but now i'm definitely trying it's my hardest and it's so far we've had success teaching her that mind body and spirit has to be all together in order to really have a great pleasure because she's a teenager and of course teenagers are having sex and experimenting and you know what's funny is that she's very open and honest with us that sometimes we're like okay sure and then we turn around it's like oh my god i I didn't think we were ready for this and we're just cringing but we're like okay she's having sex uh, safe sex and she's talking to us we're good (laughs) yeah and and that is one of the important things we've also told told our uh, uh, clients and all is that okay you want to create this environment and you want your kids to talk about sex or you want your lover to talk about sex. When they go ahead and tell you something, you 
you need to go ahead and you know be the therapist. Don't freak. Yeah. Because there there are those moments when you when your sixteen year old daughter turns around and goes out of nowhere. You know I I don't I don't think I like the taste of semen from out of the blue and yeah. you're like okay let's talk about that and in the back of the mind yeah. you're like calm everything's yeah. good yeah, don't freak out yeah yeah that, yeah there's like that yeah that that piece of being prepared like you can get the education on um, the right questions to ask them but you got to be prepared for the answers how are you going to handle it <laughs> well going on that you own a uh pleasure boutique Yes, with my mom. It's a mother-daughter sex shop. With your, <laughs> yeah, that we, is so awesome. Yeah, you know, I was so I was raised. Um, we didn't talk about pleasure when I was younger, but I was raised with um, just more openness around sexuality. In that, you know, when I was thirteen, my and I wasn't even sexually active yet. But my mom wanted to let me know way before I was that if I wanted to become sexually active, I could come to her. Um, to get on birth control, you know, that she was a safe resource for me and that there wasn't shame in that. And, um, and, you know, she gave me the book, Our Bodies Ourselves at a really young age. And, um, and then when I actually had partners, my dad, you know, who wasn't, he wasn't the most emotional being, you know, maybe this is why he didn't care, but like, you know, he wasn't that dad that was overprotective and like, oh, you're a girl. So I need to put different rules in you than I would a boy, you know, not, not any of that stuff. And, um, also he just maybe didn't care i don't know but but that it helped me to just to understand that there wasn't a shame around being sexual or being in relationships or i didn't have to hide things behind closed doors and um when i was 18 i was really fortunate because i took a human sexuality class and discovered my passion at a really young age um and from there i thought i wanted to be a sex therapist which is funny now that i'm more in the coaching realm and not wanting to go into the deep therapy realm. Um, so I went started going to school for psychology and human sexuality. And in my program at, in San Francisco, we went on a field trip and we saw their local sex shop there that was very sex positive. And my mom was looking for a business investment at the time. And um, so I called her, you know, at this point now, I think I'm 20 or 21 and called her and I was like, this is what we should do, mom. You know, we, we didn't have an adult store in Santa Cruz that was doing sex ed classes. Uh, the one that we had had toys, or sorry, lingerie in the front and toys in the back room. So to me, that was really closeting sex. It was like, we're going to pretend like we don't sell sex here, but we really do. And so when I mentioned that to her, she was, you know, at first she was like, really? Am I, are we capable of doing that? And then we worked on it for two years and then we finally opened in 2008. And, um, you know, it's just, it, we have very little we have some packaged fishnets and lingerie but for the most part it's very clear that we are a sex education spot we are sell high quality adult toys you know our staff members are educators and we do classes almost every week you know i teach a lot of them but we bring in speakers from all over who uh, do everything from rope bondage 101 to um you know creating a hot kink scene to tantra to oral sex classes you know all, all kinds of stuff and um it's been really fun we've going it's over over nine years now and wow, wow yeah, congratulations yeah yeah it's, it's our it's our little baby it's called pure pleasure and it's in santa cruz if you want to check out our website that's at purepleasureshop.com you can see probably a picture of myself and my mom right there on the front i'm sure <laughs> and um yeah and it's not 
you know, we're, it, we're, we, it's not, you won't go in, it's owned by women, but it's not like little pink pillows and all that everywhere. We try to make it so that it's uh, welcoming for everyone. The one thing we could use is a better king section. We're working on that one. So <laughs> that's what we actually really need to step our game up. I'm not the buyer there anymore, but we have some new people that are working for us that um, know all about the king scene. So we're going to up our game in the king section. So don't judge us quite yet, but <laughs> Yay! yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I think yeah, that's fantastic. The fact yeah. that it is uh, mother-daughter owned just to be more invitive to, uh, to to get women in. Not that women are shy by yeah. any means. But um, I remember 15 years ago around here, uh, and we're, again, we're in the southeast, there were a couple shops, and they were, again, lots of DVDs, a couple of toys kind of towards the back, and not really the high-quality stuff. And... As we've been doing traveling around the country, we're seeing much more and more getting away from that um, almost seedy kind of place to bright and, and more focused on education. And that's that's really what's going to make a change for, for the nation, for the people, is to, to, to educate them and say, hey, this is not this is not a bad thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing, no reason to hide it in your top drawer. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's I mean it's yeah it's growing and it, and it's cool around the, to see around the country that there's more and more progressive sex positive shops opening up and there still are your kind of like I've heard them called sticky floor stores which I I don't call them that but that's what some people call them um, and you know and they have more like the port you know endless racks of porn and they have the um, the video booths in the back which. Um, I don't, I mean, it's just, there's nothing wrong with the other. It's just a lot of women are going there and they're not really that comfortable. And so when they come in a store like ours, um, quite often they're like, I, I didn't know that it could be this safe and comfortable and clean and easy, you know, especially to work with when they can actually ask sex questions to our staff who are not just salespeople, you know, they're people who have knowledge about, um, you know, sex education and beyond just selling a product. And it's just, it's a really um, important service. And this is one of the beautiful things about the sex toy industry. Like, you can buy sex toys online, but the experience is going to be completely different if you go into a sex-positive store where you actually get an educator there to help you along the way as opposed to just, like, trying to figure it out on your own online. So um, that's one of the things why I, we feel like we'll, we'll be in business for a long time is because the education is needed. Like it really is a really important thing, uh, out there in the, um, the sex toy world. Well, we've actually stopped buying a lot of the toys online and, and go to the local shops because we want to show our support. We want yeah. to go ahead and make sure this education, um, I mean, so you might save 10%, still it's, it's supporting not just local economy, but keeping mm -hmm. these education resources um, going and yeah. I am always amazed at how professional the people usually are because I was at a store and I it was a couple who came in and they were looking for a toy and it came out towards the end it was for him anally but he mm. couldn't say it and I, and I ran into him about three times walking around the store and we were over there uh, looking at other products and it took him for a while to kind of lean over and finally do the, it, it's for me. And she's yeah. like, okay, and then this is what you need to do. And not, not you know, not, not a blink of an eye. Here's what it is. And you just sort of look on his face like, oh, my God, she's cool with this. Yeah, like this is okay to talk about. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that 
there's still there's still so much shame around um, men and anal. I mean, anal in general, but the there's still just this like common belief that the thing that we do, you know, the behavior determines our orientation. And there's nothing wrong with being gay or like whatever your orientation is. And it still is just such a like a this. This misconception, you know, we can do all kinds of things. It doesn't determine who we're into. It's about who we're into that we can determine our orientation. And we get to determine our orientation. No one else does get to determine that. And, yeah, that's still a common thing, too, is just, um, you know, a lot of men, a lot of straight men love anal play because there's a lot of nerve endings on the anus and there's a prostate in there that is a powerhouse for pleasure. And yet there's still so much fear in admitting that because um, I'm a man and I'm not supposed to like that, you know, like, they're the ones with prostates in there. Like, hey, come on. <laughs> it's funny. It's a funny thing. And but I get it. I get the the shame uh, that you know that people are constantly living with, and the, the messages that are just flowing everywhere in you know in the media, in our military, in our. I'm not going to get into politics, but you know you understand oh, yes. what I'm saying. It's yes. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, recently, a few years ago, um, I came out as bisexual. And decided I'm Uh not hiding it no more. I'm going to be openly about it. And before then, I I knew exactly what most guys were feeling. It was the, you know, I have these toys. uh, When I was a single guy, what if someone finds them? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole, does it make you less of a man and all that? And and it's this societal, and I'll say it, bullshit. Yeah. Of, you know, what you do in a bedroom does not determine your masculinity. It doesn't determine your worth as a person. And... By the way, anal sex is a lot of fun, giving or receiving, and I highly recommend uh-huh. it for everyone who gets the chance. And yeah. also, you could listen to Shameless Sex's podcast they did today on anal sex for August. Woo! Really? Yeah. Oh my god, we got. We, unfortunately, we got new new mics that we were testing out. These mics that we want to use on the road because we're teaching at a at a festival, and so we want to have these portable mics as we walk around this festival, asking people to ask us their sex questions. So we tested them out. So the sound on that one is pretty terrible. So just bear with me if you listen to it. Like, you'll be able to hear it. You'll understand it. But it sounds like we're, like, in a weird tube. Uh, so, <laughs> but there's a lot of really great information in there. And, uh, yeah, we did it in this really fun way because it's actually perfect. My uh, my friend April, she's never had anal sex before. And she has a new partner. And she's really interested in having anal sex where she would be receiving anal, anal and for the first time. And so... It was cool because it's, you know, anal August for, you know, anal, anal day one, anal August. She's interested in learning. So we really tailored this episode on me teaching her personally on how to do this in a way that was comfortable, safe, pleasurable. And um, so it's like if anyone's new to anal, this is like the perfect episode. It's, gonna, it's literally going to give you step by step tools on how to do it right. So it was, it was fun. I was like, this is perfect. And then now she's now she's gonna have anal. So, well, the, well, you'll probably hear about that in about two weeks on a podcast. How that goes for her. So, <laughs> that or on the Instagram stories, definitely check uh-huh. out their stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love. Too, yeah. yeah, I love the hiking in the uh, nature with heels in comfortable shoes. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's April. Yeah, I don't do that. I'm. I mean, I'm five nine. I'm wearing flats everywhere, and she's like. She's always, she's always looking good. She's the fashionista. So, yeah, we, we do we do funny adventures. It's a good time. And now we have those new mics. We get, we're figuring out the sound thing, but I'm really excited about that, about just, like, getting out there, you know, in the streets and podcasting from, from that angle. Not just, you know, we're bringing in educators and therapists and authors who 
um, are kind of, you know, well-known authorities in the human sexuality realm, but also from the people, you know, what, what are like the main questions that people are wanting to, to ask if they're so brave to do it? Um, and a, a festival is a great place to do it because people let their guards down. They're walking around there. Like they're all love, you know, it's like Woodstock where they're all just like, ah, and so they, it's my favorite place to teach at too, because they'll, people are so open and, uh, willing and hungry for exploration. Yeah, it's, it's so fun. I love it. I have a great job. <laughs> so do you guys. Don't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love going to the conventions. Whether it's a poly oh, convention, yeah. a fetish convention, it's one of the few places you can walk around, turn around and go, oh, there's someone being uh, whipped with a ball gag. Okay. Yeah. And just not think twice about it. Yeah, like this is my job that I get to go and immerse myself in this. This is this is not what I thought the kids in my high school thought I would be doing, but wow, I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I find more and more as I meet more uh, other broadcasters and podcasters and people in the sex business that we all, many of us, used to be introverts. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, I definitely had a little bit of uh, that, that phase um, being kind of more like the awkward, shy kid, like that phase. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now we're all yeah. making up for lost time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I think in, in that phase too, we're just kind of figuring it out. We're like, wait, can I do this? Is this safe? I see all like the loud, outgoing, cool kids, and I don't know because I don't know if I'm like I don't I don't want to like I don't know if I'm like that same kind of person. And yeah, now we're just like, woo, I'm out. <laughs> and yeah, doesn't that feel wonderful? <laughs> it does. It totally does. I was actually um recently on. Uh, this guy, uh, Chris Ryan's podcast, he wrote, um, sex at dawn and I went on his podcast. It's going to be released in about a month or so. And talking about how we were both in junior high, we were both just like that awkward kid. You know, he was like, like this kind of like pimply braces, you know, that like redheaded kid that, and I was, you know, this late bloomer, flat chested braces, like really skinny for some reason. Like got this really late, like hit puberty really, really late. So I was shorter than everyone. I'm now five nine, but um, just like so, I just had that phase of, of knowing what that was to be not what was to like aesthetically not be what was socially cool, right? So I was living in that space and watching all these other people that were kind of conforming to whatever cool was, and of course I probably tried to do that because I wanted to be one of them, and um, and. Then I, you know, I grew up puberty, puberty hit, I got breasts, my braces came off, woo, and all of a sudden the boys liked me, I'm like, yo, you guys are shallow, <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on, guys, and, um, and so we're talking about how having that, that understanding, whether it was introvert or shy, but also the understanding of, um, I am not one of the cool kids based just on my looks gave us us like in our belief this deeper understanding of how to find our um our worthiness beyond that and then maybe later we were able to you know like think of you know whatever like now maybe people think we're sexy or whatnot that doesn't really matter we had that time in our lives where it wasn't all based on um what was socially accepted and it gave us more tools to find the self-love within it made us stronger um, in that sense. So, yeah, so we were just kind of giving praise, like all the praise for all the people who think that they're not one of the cool kids. Yeah, just you wait. You're awesome, and you're probably going to get even more awesome as you go. <laughs> so, in your own way, in your own way. Absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've all gone yeah. through that. 
So, Amy, yeah. it's been a blast. Where could everyone find you? Oh, lots of places. But you can find me, okay, my podcast. You can go to either look up Shameless Sex on uh, iTunes or Google Play or it's on or in Stitcher, all those fun places. Um, you can also go to our website at shamelesssex.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram under Shameless Sex, Facebook on Shameless Sex. And then you can also find uh, my adult store with my mom in Santa Cruz at purepleasureshop.com. And if you go in any of those places, there's ways to contact me. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Just don't send me dick pics. But other than that, go ahead, reach <laughs> out if you want. <laughs> I'll just delete them. I'll laugh and I'll delete them. That's <laughs> yeah, I, I'm right now fortunate and blessed at the moment. Knock on wood, I haven't received those. I'm okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I've only received one. It was funny. And yeah, but uh, other than that, it's, yeah, just, I'm, it's a non-consensual dick pics. No, thanks. <laughs> it's funny yeah. cause anyways, yeah. <laughs> I, I have heard this so much from women that on my FetLife profile and my OkCupid profile it says right on top I will not send I promise I will not send you unsolicited dick pics yeah and then it goes and back they're and they're like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah finally like finally well, yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty common I think I just saw something on Facebook that was like I didn't read it but it was about a woman that sent un- unsolicited vulva pics to someone and I haven't really read what happened, but I'm sure something great happened. I'm sure there were, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, yeah, ask for ask for consent first before you send pictures of your genitals. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. You can find me everywhere on livingasexpositivelife.com, iTunes, Google, Spreaker, uh, Instagram. And I'm available as John C. Luna on, let's see, Facebook, Twitter, FetLife, Say Hi, Send me a friend request. Let us know what you think of the show. And just but follow... no dick pics. <laughs> no dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But follow our adventures for the whole month of August. Um, I'll be tweeting, posting on Living a Sex Positive Life, Instagram and Twitter on where we're at. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, Woodsheds, for taking care of us and also for their upcoming event, Fire, in August 17th to the 20th. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good night. Goodbye.